From the Ashes, How War Has Shaped Science Written and read by Ailey McQuinney The history of conflict extends as far back as our history books. It has evolved alongside and infiltrated into almost every aspect of the societies we have today. Science has not escaped its influence, and this influence has never been more apparent than during the last century. The First and Second World Wars and the Cold War that followed would change the role of science in both combat and community forever. By the second half of the 19th century, science was driving the Industrial Revolution. The application of scientific theories was beginning to displace the practical experience of craftsmen. Science still had its critics, though, with some claiming that existing knowledge was sufficient for further technological development, leaving no role for further scientific research. This debate on the relevance of science battled on to the end of the 19th century and may well have for much longer if it were not for World War I. When it became clear that the war was not going to be over by Christmas, military leaders acknowledged the necessity for new military technology. Scientists, industrialists, military figures and politicians came together after historically being at loggerheads. Professional researchers began applying scientific theory to build new technologies that changed the nature of warfare forever. Chemists began synthetically producing poisonous gases on a large scale for the first time. Physicists worked on radio communication and primitive systems for locating submarines. And the first tanks, once imagined by da Vinci, rolled onto the battlefields. These technologies caused unprecedented damage and loss of life. Simultaneously, however, there were leaps and bounds in medical practice that meant more soldiers could come home. In 1914, four in five soldiers suffering from a broken leg would die. By 1916, four in five would survive. Such developments changed the place of science in society for good. It proved that further research could improve technology, bringing benefits with it. When the war ended, research began to receive significantly more government funding. Science could proceed faster and with better resources than ever before. With this integration came somewhat of a restructuring of the scientific constitution. What was once a collection of hobbyists pursuing their interests became a more bureaucratic system matching the military and political models. Whilst we must recognise the benefits that structured oversight can have on the organisation and efficiency of research that was once conducted on random whimsy, many argue that stifled creativity is now one of the greatest threats to science. Undoubtedly, this also marked the beginning of politicisation in science, as projects were now dependent on approval from the governments who funded them. World War I also marked the first time that women worked widely in industry, building what should have been the springboard for women's participation in life outside the home. However, the Restoration of Pre-War Practices Act meant that women lost their jobs as soon as the war ended. It planted the seeds of possibility, though. When World War II arrived, once again, women were recruited to fill the roles left by men, 
including in scientific research. This time, there was no order for women to leave their new jobs after the war. World War II thereby created an unprecedented opportunity for women to work in previously inaccessible fields, and they proved their capabilities by contributing greatly to the war effort. Mary Sears, an oceanographer in the US Navy, managed a naval unit who aided strategic manoeuvres by analysing ocean metrics. Grace Hopper, a mathematician, became one of the first computer programmers. Isabella Carl, a chemist, developed a technique to isolate plutonium chloride as part of the Manhattan Project. The involvement of a whole new demographic in science was conducive of new productive thought, and although it would be many years until their achievements would be properly recognised, it opened the door, if only a sliver, for new faces in science. Once again, rapid advances were made in military technology and medicine during World War II. The cost of such development programmes were immense, so it was unsustainable for their fruits to become redundant in just a few years when peacetime arrived. The repurposing of military technology for commercial use was therefore an invaluable strategy for economic recovery, as well as improving commercial technology. In World War I, cellucotton was developed as a cheap alternative to bandaging during a cotton shortage. It was produced under government contract by Kimberly Clarko, and the Red Cross nurses who were using it on the fronts caught on to its absorbency and began using it during menstruation. Kimberly Clark repurposed it for sanitary pads after the war, marking a revolution in menstrual hygiene products. The use of radar during World War II was paramount to locating enemies. One of the engineers involved in microwave radar development noticed that a chocolate bar in his pocket melted while he was working with the equipment, sparking the idea that the microwave energy could be used to heat food. Sure enough, the first commercial microwave was manufactured in 1954. One of the most influential examples of military repurposing came from the Cold War. America was forced to decentralize its command centers after the launching of surveillance satellites by the Soviet Union. They created a network of computers which could send and receive data remotely. This laid the foundations for what we now know as the internet. The networks quickly went from military to academic use and, in 1990, with the invention of HTML language at the European Organisation for Nuclear Research, known as CERN, by Tim Berners-Lee, the World Wide Web was born. It's hard to think of an innovation that has changed the nature of any part of our society more than the internet, and it was born like a phoenix rising from the ashes of war. There is no doubt that the rapid innovation driven by war can have positive repercussions on the technologies and the medicine available to us all afterwards. This is evident not only in products developed in wartime, but also in the knowledge gained and the new techniques developed. The most obvious example is nuclear physics, an understanding of which came about for the development of nuclear weapons but was then reapplied to the energy sector. All of these advances have come with a cost in human lives. This is particularly true for nuclear physics, 
which reminds us of the massive loss of life and devastation caused by the dropping of atomic bombs in World War II. Additionally, in order to accelerate the research relevant for war, resources, time, money and scientists must be pulled from elsewhere. This means that work previously considered important is neglected. This problem can be seen today with experts from all scientific backgrounds jumping aboard the COVID-19 research wagon to find a solution to the pandemic as quickly as possible. Inevitably, reports have emerged about the impact of this on other vital fields such as cancer research and care. Undoubtedly, there must have been similar consequences during wartime. For example, we can only imagine what advances could have been made if the immeasurable resources ploughed into developing the atomic bomb were instead poured into treating heart disease and stroke, the leading causes of death worldwide. What ifs aside, we must focus on the lessons that can be learned from the productivity of wartime science and how we can apply them to other crises or everyday life. Many wartime practices have already been deployed to aid the current COVID-19 pandemic. The fast tracking of military tech is being applied to vaccine development. The repurposing of factories, like the car factories that produced bomber planes in wartime, is echoed today with alcohol brands producing hand sanitizer and fashion retailers making face masks. Looking forward, we know that crises like war have always brought social change and so we should not expect life to return to normal when the pandemic ends. Perhaps in this lies the most important lesson of all. World War II saw the birth of universal healthcare in the UK, arguably the country's greatest achievement. So instead of fearing the new, we should learn from the past and take this opportunity to build back a better, stronger world.